Psalm 96 tells us to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Well, good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. And uh, today is a special day because we have a very, very special guest, a dear friend of mine that I've known for a good number of years now. And uh, she is an amazing person. She loves the Lord with all her heart. She loves people. She is so comfortable in her own skin and God uses her in such great ways. She's a two-time Dove Award winning singer and song songwriter. Uh, She's a worship leader. She's a professor. She's an author. She's a talk show host. Uh, She's a wonderful wife and mother. The list goes on, and her name is Babby Mason. Babby, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's good to be with you, and it's good to hear your voice again. (laughs) Well, okay, so uh, I know you just got back from Israel and uh, that, that your first time, you and Charles went to Israel. So tell me, uh, tell me what really struck you as you walked where Jesus walked. Wow. Where do I begin, Pastor Jeff? I mean, it really, um, this trip really made the Word of God come alive. And now I will never read the Scriptures the same again. I think, um, wow, where do I start? I think, you know, the, the places where there's water, like the Sea of Galilee, I can, you know, just see as we launched out into our boat with our tour guide, you know, I could actually envision Jesus walking on that water. Um, I love the Dead Sea. Uh, I love getting baptized in the River Jordan. Um, I loved worship in the upper room and the in the garden tomb. I can tell you I went there, and I can testify firsthand that Jesus is not there. He's risen just like he said. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it was an amazing trip, my friend. Okay, so I had mentioned to you that uh, your husband, who is uh, a great cook and and uh, very uh, uh, skilled with th- those uh, those gifts, uh, that the food in Israel is going to be probably a challenge. And you you said that ended up being the case. <laughs> yes, it did. You know, here in America, we are kind of used to heightened taste buds and. Um, there in Israel, I think their diet is, you know, very healthy, but I eat olives every day and beets every day and feta cheese and chicken shawarma and, um, it, you know, not a whole lot of sugar, not a whole lot no. of salt. Uh, so it was now for him, for Charles, cause he's a country boy. And I think he has a pork, what I call a pork gene, which he <laughs> loves pork for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So he was a little bit challenged, but I think overall, it was a much healthier diet, and um, I think we felt great the whole time we were there. We kind of missed American food, but um, it was it was fine. Well, um, I was reading uh, reading over your bio this morning, and uh, uh, I want you to tell the listeners uh, who may not be super familiar with your with your background. So, your dad was a pastor. You grew up little girl in a pastor's home. Uh, yesterday, I had Mike Courtney, who is the older brother of Shonda Pierce, on the program. Their home was very dysfunctional because although their dad was a pastor, he was one way at church and another way at home. 
Uh, you yeah. didn't have that experience, did you? Your dad was the same at home and at church? You know, Pastor Jeff, I was really, really blessed. I'm in the middle of five siblings. My oldest brother is a pastor. My older brother is a journalist. Um, he is a, has a really powerful God story. He was in and out of, um, you know, a lot of correctional facilities, and the Lord got a hold of his life, and he's been walking with the Lord now for probably a good 20, 25 years. I'm in the middle. My younger sister is a middle school math coach, and my younger brother works for the Secretary of State's office in Michigan. And not to say that we had a perfect family, but I was really blessed to have a wonderful dad. My my mom and dad um, came f- up from the South during the Great Migration of you know, when a lot of African Americans came from Southern states up to Northern states and up to cities like Detroit and Cleveland and Akron and, you know, the cities around the Great Lakes looking for work in the automotive industry. And so that's what brought my parents north, and that's where my siblings and I were born, except for my oldest brother who was born in Mississippi. But I think that, you know, this this uh, multi-generational, um, this legacy that my family has, my dad is in a wonderful legacy of great preachers and pastors, five generations so far. And um, I think that just had a great impact on our family. My mom and dad worked hard. They instilled, you know, hard work in my family. All of my siblings and I have an entrepreneurial spirit. Dad was a great leader. Here again, I'm not going to say that it was a perfect home, but it really was a home where, you know, God was first priority. We worked in the church. I think the moment that my parents realized that I could play a couple of keys, a couple of chords on the piano. I got hired as a full-time piano player. By age nine, I was leading the choir and playing for all of the worship services and played for my dad's church for nearly 20 years until Charles uh, took me south to Atlanta. So it was a great place to grow up. It was a wonderful environment. And of course, growing up where I kind of came of age musically in the 70s and that during the height of the Motown era and having that influence of the Black Baptist Church and the R&B influence of Motown, and growing up in that season where great music just was everywhere, mm-hmm. I think that really had an impact on the kind of music that I write, the kind of music that I sing, and just a great influence on my career. So it was a it was a wonderful home and a great place to grow up. I'm from Jackson, Michigan, which is about 70 miles west of Detroit, and it was, um, you know, on the flip side of that, we did experience you know, uh, a good bit of the civil rights movement. My dad was president of the NAACP for a season, and um, I came up during that time when, you know, we marched for the right to vote and all of those things. But I think what that did is instill character in my life and compassion for others and service for God and for people. So here again, it was just, it was a great time to grow up. Well, it uh, what has struck me about you, and I've uh, I, I first met you, I think, when you were at Champion Forest. You came and and did some uh, some singing there, and then Debbie and I saw you at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and uh, you were working with Jim and Carol, uh, and you helped on uh, teach a seminar on songs songwriting, I think, and uh, you have. You have such a command of the room, and I know that it, probably a lot of that comes from being a school teacher and being a professor. You just you just kind of own the room, and it, it's very obvious. And uh, I love the fact, Babby, that you're so comfortable in who you are, comfortable in your own skin. Uh, you don't try and be somebody else, 
and uh, and that really comes across. So, as I said at the beginning, you love the Lord and you love people, and that's very evident. And uh, those are the two greatest commandments. So, that uh, that really stands well, out to me. You know, if I could be honest, I had to grow into that, Pastor Jeff, um, because and I had to find my own true self and my own true style and become comfortable with that. But that took a lot of work because. Um, if you listen to Babby Mason's voice and you're familiar with my music, you know, even though I'm an African-American woman, I, I don't, uh, you know, kind of typify that stereotypical um, definition of black gospel. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, my voice is kind of in the middle of the road. And I tried, you know, singing black gospel music. No, no disrespect. I love gospel music and I write gospel music. But characteristically, the black gospel music voice, the singer, you know, there's a lot of screaming or, or you know, emotional uh, shouting sometimes. It just electrifies an audience. Uh-huh. And even though I, I do sing with excitement, I don't do a whole lot of screaming and I don't do a whole lot of vocal licks and things like that. I kind of like to let the lyric and the melody be the star uh-huh. because really that's where the message is. And so in the early days, uh, I'll tell you an example, back before the Internet, people would hear my, my music on the radio and they would come to my concerts and they would come to my product table and they, and they would say something like, wow, I heard your music on the radio and I thought you were a white girl. <laughs> and that really kind of, <laughs> that kind of messed with my head. Um, but then after I had been on the road for a while and I saw that my music was ministering, not just to black people, not just to white people, but this beautiful cross section of races and cultures and denominations began to congregate at my con at my concerts and i also began to see that in some of these southern small towns in like south georgia for the first time blacks and whites were worshiping together for the first time an african-american artist had stood on their stage for the first time african-americans were worshiping in white churches and i began to see that god was using this ministry mm-hmm. to bring the body of christ together and when i saw that then I realized that my purpose is to um, not to produce black music or white music, just to produce good music that ministers to the body of Christ and brings the body of Christ together. So I had to just learn to be myself because everybody else is taken. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so as a little girl growing up, obviously very musical. Um, you got to be extremely musical if you're going to lead the choir at nine. Uh, who, who well, were you? I will say that they were desperate. I didn't have a whole lot to offer, <laughs> but, but it was kind of a lot of on-the-job training, and uh, it was a great place to, you know, learn music. And I kind of was bilingual because I was taking piano lessons, learning classical music, and then playing black gospel music with the choir and all that on the weekends. And that really contributed to this ability to kind of navigate, um, you know, different cultures and play by music and play by ear and write for the choir, and write for the artist. So I'll tell you, God allows all things to work together for good, for His glory, and for you know our benefit. Okay, Babby, when you, when you think about uh, singing, songwriting, and playing, uh, of those three, is there one you prefer, or are they all kind of rolled into one? Well, you know, it's kind of like a three, like a three-fold chord, I guess. You um, know, of course, the the... I would say the initial introduction to music was probably singing because um, my mom, who's in heaven with the Lord now, I think had she been born, you know, in another uh, generation, she would have been a superstar singer because she had all the qualities. 
She had a beautiful voice, and we have recorded um, a couple of great songs together that are on the Internet. If you'll go to YouTube and search for Babby Mason, God Will Open Up the Windows, that's a song that we sang together, you'll see my mom and I standing on stage singing this beautiful song. So my mom was uh, had a great voice. She was beautiful on the inside, beautiful on the outside, and um, she was just a superstar singer. So she introduced my you know, my love for, for singing. But then she, um, I think she, we had a piano, an old piano in our house, and I just began to pick out little nursery rhymes and songs from the church. And so immediately they got me into, um, you know, piano lessons with a with a German piano teacher who was very strict, Mr. Gustav Strelo. I will never forget this old, old gentleman who walked through my house to um, teach me piano every week. And, you know, the just that cross-section of uh, black gospel music and uh, classical music just kind of helped develop this musicmanship in me. And then somewhere along the line, um, I just, you know, acquired this love for words, and that love for words matriculated to this love for writing songs. And, of course, you know, songwriting is a skill. Uh, There is, um, you know, the inspirational part of it, but there's also the perspirational part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had, uh, had gone to some music seminars and workshops to, to develop this skill for songwriting, and God just began to use it. And the next thing I know, I was recording my own songs, and other people began to contact me. Or when I would send out demos, they would choose my songs. And I realized that, you know, this is interesting, that we have more in us than we know. We have more gifts and talents that we realize that we have. And so songwriting kind of came to me by surprise. I really didn't aspire to be a songwriter. But when I went to a workshop and got some affirmation from publishers and other writers, and that's what kind of allowed me to begin exploring it. And I began to co-write with a very dear friend of mine, Donna Douglas, and my producer friend, Cheryl Rogers. And the next thing I know, I was on my way as a songwriter. And uh, and recording just kind of came, kind of piggybacked on that because people wanted to hear these songs and take these songs home with them. So um, and so, one thing is always. I think that's been the motto of my life and career in ministry is that one thing has always led to another. Yeah. And you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm not finished yet. You know, there's no expiration date on God's plan for your life. Well, let let so me break in, Babby, real quick. We we are up against a break. We're talking to uh, singer songwriter Babby Mason. So we're. Uh, On a break, we'll be right back. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. 
This is Jan Markell, and next on Understanding the Times Radio, I talk to two who are trying to sound the alarm that there is a movement in the church that is sending wolves among the flock. How do we identify them, and how can we protect the sheep that are forever harmed by these wolves? That's next on Understanding the Times Radio. Saturday afternoon at 1 Central and Sunday afternoon at noon Central on American Family Radio. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. Helium or no helium? This is Ken Ham, and our popular Ark Encounter attraction is located in Northern Kentucky. Evolutionists believe that radioactive decay in rocks takes millions of years. Now, creationists believe radioactive decay greatly sped up during Creation Week and then during Noah's Flood. Which view is confirmed by the evidence? Well, when certain radioactive elements decay, helium is released. This helium quickly escapes from rock crystals. So if radioactive decay really takes millions of years, most of the helium should be long gone. A group of creationist geologists tested this and found large amounts of helium in rock crystals. Once again, the evidence directly confirms the biblical model and opposes the evolutionary one. Discover more when you visit us at AnswersRadio.com and plan your visit to the family-friendly Ark Encounter with a life-size Noah's Ark when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. Psalm 96 verse 1 tells us, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And today we're interviewing Babby Mason, who is a two-time Dove Award winner, a singer, a songwriter, a piano player, a talk show host, a worship leader, a professor, an author. She has done so much in her time here on this earth. And uh, she is a wife and mom, two sons, a wonderful husband, Charles. And so, Babby, as we were uh, talking at the break, um, I want to get into a little bit uh, of your salvation experience. So growing up in a Christian home, your dad's the pastor. Um, you heard the gospel from probably from day one. Uh, how old were you when it really made sense and you gave your life to Christ? Yes. Well, I was eight years of age when I accepted Christ. But you know, Pastor Jeff, I really don't remember a time that I didn't, that I, that I didn't have this affection for the gospel. I just, you know, kind of grew into it. It was just in my DNA. And so I accepted Christ by age eight and was playing the piano for the church by age nine and just really began to see my gifts and talents flourish. However, I did have a season where I had to really, um, like a crisis of faith. Mm-hmm. By the time I graduated from high school and entered into college, I had this idea that I wanted to be a Motown singer and sing in nightclubs and bars. And that uh, kind of temporarily led me down a path of, you know, exploring, you know, hanging out with friends who were not Christians, um, experimenting with alcohol, hanging out late at night. But every Sunday morning, I was right back there at my daddy's church playing the piano because of my responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Spirit convicted me to such the point that every time I'd go into a bar, 
I was so convicted that I really couldn't even enjoy myself. And then I was convicted by the Holy Spirit again when I'd go to church the next morning. Mm -hmm. And that struggle was such an intense conviction in my heart that after about the second year of trying to live that lifestyle and trying to pursue a secular career in music, I just surrendered my life to God. Uh, I got tired of the fight. And Mm -hmm. um, I just, and I surrendered my life to God after having a, uh, lunchtime with a cup of soup, and the soup began to turn lukewarm, and the Lord showed me that that was my lifestyle, mm. that I was lukewarm, and he was about to spew me out of his mouth. And so right that one day at a at the lunch table, trying to get through a lukewarm cup of soup in a styrofoam cup, in a greasy uh, cup of soup, turned my life over to the Lord once and for all, and uh, wow. there's been no turning back since then. Wow, that is a great testimony. I never knew that about you. That is really cool. Um, okay, so as a as a young girl growing up, loving music, listening to a lot of music, uh, who were your favorites? Well, of course, you know, there was this foundation of black gospel music. I say in my very, very early years, and I'm getting ready to date myself, but I grew up listening to, you know, the music that my mom listened to. So there was music in our house all the time. And, of course, my mother loved Mahalia Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, she listened to, you know, James Cleveland and great preachers like C.L. Franklin, who is the father of Aretha Franklin. And because I loved Aretha um, and loved, you know, gospel music, that style just began to become a part of my DNA. Um, but as I became kind of of age and began to mature in my music leadership, I loved, I, I started listening a lot to Andre Clouch, mm-hmm. um, who came on, you know, who came of real stardom in the 70s. And there was a female singer that was one of the disciples that sang behind him, and her name was Danny Bell Hall. And Danny Bell was the, the female answer to all of my desires. Because, you know, growing up, I loved Aretha and Gladys Knight and uh, Martha Reeves and Diana Ross and the Supremes and Carol King and all of those female singers who, um, you know, sang. Many of them were songwriters and played the piano like Aretha and um, Martha Reeves and Gladys Knight and Alita Adams and Carol King. Um, but when I discovered the music of Danny Bell Hall, she was all of that, all rolled into one, and she sang the gospel. And so I began to mimic and emulate her style, and really her style was kind of a jumping off point for me to establish my own uh, style and my own identity. And later on, I would be able to meet Danny Bell and just thank the Lord for the impact that she'd had on my life. We actually recorded some together on a project called Sisters. So that, you know, that coming uh, of that that big circle of being able to record with her, I, that was just a big kiss from God for me. And they, Danny Bell Hall and Andre Crouch were probably the greatest influence on my life in the, in the 70s, which really was that most impactful season of my life. Mm. Well, you know, you you have such a beautiful voice, and my wife has a, an alto voice, and um, she's always said, she said, you know, when people sing with alto voices, it's very easy to listen to because it's not it's not those high notes, um, and it's very easy to understand the lyrics. Um, yes. Have you found that to be true? Well, it's personally, you know, I'm a word person. I I grew up you know, loving to read. And I grew up in a house of communicators 
my oldest brother's a preacher. My daddy's a preacher. My grandfather's a preacher. My nephew's a preacher. So, you know, we're all linguists, and we love books, and we love teaching, and we love speaking. So words have always been important in my life. Um, and then, you know, just falling in love with beautiful music and learning how to write songs, it just began to, like, put logs on a fire. And so, uh, to me, for me, the lyrics have always become the star of the song because that's where the message is. Mm -hmm. And that's where the, you know, the crux and the heart of the song is. And so when I began to write songs, um, the Lord really began to open up the windows of heaven and shower down blessings. I never even thought I could conceive. Um, and he began to give me songs like with all my heart and each one reach one. And when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart and all rise and standing in the gap. And, um, these songs really began to minister to people. And the beautiful thing about it, Pastor Jeff, is these songs, you know, when you write truth, um, and the Holy Spirit just has his power on a song, these songs are timeless. And even after, you know, 30 plus years of being in ministry, almost 40 years now, I'm still singing these songs. I'm still singing each one, reach one, and with all my heart and standing in the gap and all in favor and trust is hard. And it's just an amazing journey. Okay, Bambi, do you ever, because because your your voice is your voice, and, and so you have from the Lord a particular range, would you always write songs that you personally I can sing this, or would you ever write something that is going to be for somebody else because it's going to be too high for your vocal range, or how does that work? Well, it's not necessarily the range, but it could be a stylistic thing or a message thing, because as a writer, you know, I find myself writing uh, songs for me, but I've also written Southern gospel music, um, and which is a style that I don't necessarily sing. So I write for, you know, for male singers and for groups and for Southern gospel singers. I write for choir. So, you know, as a songwriter, um, you just kind of get, listen, here's the thing. You can't really control how the Holy Spirit's going to give you a song. And as a a writer, I'm always kind of listening for that next idea. You know, as the Holy Spirit impresses my heart with a message or a quote or a melody or a groove, and that could inspire, you know, any style or any message. And when I write the song, Initially, I think, okay, is this something that I could sing? But maybe it's a kid's song or a Christmas song or a male song or a duet. And after the song is written, I just kind of determine who can sing this song and then send that song in that direction. Okay, that's pretty, that makes sense. And uh, so it's just, uh, when you sit down, so you sit down at the piano, let's say, and you're going to... Mm-hmm start playing some melodies and you're thinking through some things because I know your you know your music is is steeped in scripture so you have uh, kind of walk me through the process do you have a verse that's like going through your head and you think this would be great in in a in a song and then just work it that way well I'll say it like this uh, Pastor Jeff I am easily inspired easily inspired it's kind of like climbing a pump you know, when you first climb that pump, it may be a little difficult to get it started. But once that pump begins to flow, you can't shut it off. And that's the way that the Holy Spirit ministers to me. So I could be driving down the highway and um, see a billboard, and that billboard might have a quote on it. And I'll say, wow, that's a great idea for us all. Or, uh, for example, I was driving down the street one day and passed a church that always has 
great quotes on their um, marquee outside the church. And one day I passed the church, and it said, Directions to Heaven, turn right at the light and keep straight. And I said, wow, that's a great idea for a song. So I sat down with my friend Turner Lawton, and we wrote a song called Turn Right. Or I was in a, in a uh, revival one day singing, and the preacher said this. He said, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And I thought, man, that's a great <laughs> place to put in the song. <laughs> and so I sat down with a friend of mine, Rodney Griffin, who is a Southern Gospel um, singer, and he sings with great, greater vision. And he and I sat down and wrote a great song that was recorded by Mark, the Mark Trammell Quartet, which is a, you know, an amazing Southern Gospel group. So, you know, these, this inspiration could come from anywhere. It could create a song of any style. And after that song is written, we then determine, okay, who can sing this? And a lot of times when I write a song for me personally, typically if it's a, you know, me writing by myself, it's usually something that has a babby flavor and something that I would consider singing. But these inspirations could take these songs anywhere and in, in any style. When you uh, think about all the times that you've sung on stage for different groups and, and some famous people and things like that, uh, what, what have been uh, some times that have really stuck out like, man, that was, that was really, really special for me? And then, uh, maybe on a funny side, what have been some times where just like, oh, man, that was embarrassing or that was really difficult? <laughs> well, I think one of the highlights of my music ministry and career have been um, – singing, like, for Billy Graham, uh-huh. and it was kind of crazy how that inspiration happened. Uh, Cliff Barrows was the keynote speaker for a prayer breakfast that I was singing for, and I was singing uh, right during breakfast, which is like, you know, you might as well pop up my picture and play a tape, because nobody is <laughs> listening. You know what I'm saying? All the, the dishes clanging and the conversation, and, and the waiter's going to inevitably drop a whole entire tray of dishes <laughs> right during the middle of a slow song like Great Is Our Faithfulness. Yeah. And um, Cliff Barrows came to the platform after the music was over and breakfast had been served, and he said, you know, Mrs. Mason, Great Is Our Faithfulness is one of my favorite hymns. Would you consent to come and sing in Little Rock, Arkansas, no, in, uh, in Florida, um, at the next Billy Graham Crusade? Just like that. Out of the clear blue, I never even expected it in a million years. And that began a wonderful relationship with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association across, you know, several decades of ministry, and a wonderful relationship mm. with the Graham family. And I attended, you know, uh, Dr. Billy Graham's homegoing service, and it was just a powerful relationship. Oh, wow. Um, and on the flip side, on the flip side of that, oh, man, where do I start with um, concerts that have gone down the tubes? <laughs> I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember singing in, um, I think it was the Bahamas or someplace. You know, we're here in America. We have all of these, um, you know, nice, smooth walkways, and everything is regulated, so your stairs have, the, you know, the right height and the right width, and stages are secure and stuff like that. And uh, I was singing in the Bahamas where all of that wasn't, you know, the case. And I was walking from the piano, which was up a up a, a level back down to the stage, which was about a step down. But there was a gap between the upper level stage where the piano was and the lower level stage where the center stage was. And there were, and what happened was I stepped right into that gap mm. and I had just finished singing the song standing in the gap. <laughs> I wrote a song called standing in the gap and I fell right in the gap. 
up the stages. Oh, and wow. after I crawled myself out and got back up on the stage, I'd scarred my leg and lost my ring and it and tore my clothes and, and oh. I, you know, just had to recover because the show must go on, as they say. Yeah. And um, that was kind of an embarrassing moment. And the night that I that I fell through the gap, not stood in the gap, but fell through the gap. Wow. Well, that sounds like you got hurt, too. Well, I, I scratched up my leg, but listen, I lived through it, and um, it's a great story to tell. Yeah. Well, I would imagine you, it, it's funny, I had Shonda Pierce on the program last week, and uh, she was at our church when we lost power. And so it's like right before the concert, um, you know, she's the comedian and funny lady. And so then we, we have no power. And so we hooked up some kind of a, a system for the sound, but there was no there were no lights. And uh, she just rolled with it. And I said, ba- uh, I said, Shonda, you were the perfect person to have this happen to because you're able to just kind of roll roll with the punches. I would think with you. The way I know you, you're able to just kind of shift gears and it's not, it, it doesn't seem like that would bother you like it might bother somebody else. Well, that actually happened um, at a concert that was at a theme park. It was a Christian um, music festival and a big storm rolled through and they had, and it began to, you know, be a torrential downpour and they had to unplug the power for safety reasons. And it was right in the middle of my concert. And they unplugged the power, and we just sang a cappella. We just worshiped God and sang mm-hmm. a cappella worship songs for 45 minutes. And I remember very well, we were in the middle of singing Holy Ground. And in the second verse, it says, If you have a need, Jesus is the answer. And when we got to that line, If you have a need, Jesus is the answer. And right at that moment, the power came back on. Wow. And the place just went up into a uproarious kind of worship and praise. And it just like fueled up, you know, the whole service. So, wow. yeah, we listen. I think I have, you know, in 35, 36 years of ministry experience, pretty much one of everything. Yeah. How cool. Well, we're talking to a singer, songwriter, and talk show host, and author, and professor, worship leader, Babby Mason. And uh, Babby is just telling us about her life and her ministry, and God has used her in great ways. Uh, if you're not familiar with Babby Mason, let me encourage you to go on YouTube and listen to some of her songs. As she has said, the lyrics are so powerful. The voice is beautiful, but the lyrics, and it's very easy to hear her lyrics. Uh, they just shine forth, and God uses her in great ways. So you're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We're up against a break. Don't go away. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. Ever witness firsthand the influence and hope offered by inner city rescue missions, viewed too frequently as relics of the past? Bible-centered rescue missions may actually be needed more today than in the past. I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. 
Join Dr. Jamie Mitchell and CityGate Network President Dr. John Ashman as they present Taking It to the Streets, The Power and the Purpose of the Rescue Mission, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 Plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare Parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. There's a culture war raging in America, and like it or not, we're in the battle. Sandy Rios, AFA's Director of Governmental Affairs and the host of the podcast, Sandy Rios 24-7. For 40-plus years, American Family Association has been fighting for biblical values in America. We've been here to shine the light of Christ into a dark world and to stand against the evil of the day. And by God's grace, we're making a difference. One vital way that you can join forces with us is through a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. The charitable gift annuity will benefit you and help ensure AFA is in the fight for years to come. See if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. The AFA Foundation, the financial stewardship division of the American Family Association. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking to singer-songwriter Babby Mason. And uh, Babby, I was going to ask you, so when you first got out of uh, college, you uh, you were a school teacher, is that correct? That's correct. I taught middle high school music and English for eight years. For eight years, and then from there, uh, you went into your musical career as far as a singer and songwriter, and uh, you right. are... You're the kind of person that doesn't let the grass grow under her feet. You always seem to have a new a new project that you're working on. And so uh, kind of bring us up to speed with where you are today. Well, Pastor Jeff, as I said a moment ago, that um, the it seems to have been the reoccurring theme in my life that one thing always leads to another. And some of these things, you know, I, pers- I have pursued. But some of these other opportunities have just kind of landed in my lap. For the most part, many of them have. Um, for example, um, writing, writing books. One day I got a, a phone call from a publisher and a gentleman who I could tell was a young African-American guy. He said, um, your name came up in a meeting this morning and we'd um, like for you to write a book for us. No book proposal or anything. He just called me out of the blue. Well, I have a kid brother who likes to call me and prank me, and I thought that this was him calling me to prank me. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be a legitimate proposal, and I ended up writing several books for Abingdon Press. Um, and so uh, 
as I said, one thing has always led to another. And I think one of the most exciting opportunities that I have had in the last um, decade has been the launch of Babby Mason Radio. And this is an effort that the Lord has challenged me to step into, um, to get into Internet radio, to get into, you know, online ministry. And as I was nearing my—listen, I've been in ministry now almost four decades, so this is not my first day, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I'm nearing—I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s now. And so I asked the Lord, um, when, when can I retire? And he said, well, this is not your time to retire. This is your time to refire. Mm. And, he, and he gave me an assignment to launch an Internet radio station. And I didn't know anything about Internet radio, but I did some homework. I talked to some of my tech guys that are kind of in my, on my team. And uh, for a couple of years, we did some homework and, did, and just, you know, did some experimenting on the Internet. And in 2014, we um, launched BabbyMasonRadio.com. And on Babby Mason Radio, it's a place where I have basically parked everything that is Babby Mason, my music, the stories behind my songs, my books, my audio books, Bible studies, devotionals. But I also share the platform with independent singers and people that I've mentored, artists and authors that I mentor across the years, artists and authors who are looking for a place to share their music and their stories. And I also uh, feature radio ministry programs like Jeff Jeff Shreve from his heart. I play uh, Charles Stanley's In Touch. I play Tony Evans' Alternative. I play Max Lucado, uh, James Ford, Beth Moore, Priscilla Shire. All of these wonderful ministries are also a part of this platform. And so it's online 24 hours a day at Babby.com. If you go to the website at go to Babby.com, you'll see a little button that's twirling around that says Listen Live. Click that button, and that will take you to the radio page where you can launch the player and listen to beautiful music and encouraging words. So here's the thing, you know, regardless of what season you're in, regardless of your age or stage, um, God has a plan for your life. And I just want to be as, um, as active, as integrated, as involved in ministry as I can, because I watched my mom and dad, and they never retired from ministry. They, they were in ministry right up until the day the Lord took them home. And I just want to follow that, you know, I want to follow in their footsteps. Amen. That's a such a great word. Um, let me ask you this. How much over the years, how much have you noticed or or have you noticed your voice changing at all? Well, I think as I have become more comfortable with my own voice um, and I've seen that um, I'm not the only one, that there are other singers who, because I've gotten so many you know, emails and, and cards and letters and had conversations with other women who said, you know, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only black girl who didn't, you know, have a, quote, gospel, gospelized kind of a voice. And then they discovered my music. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that there was a real purpose for the kind of music that I sing and the kind of music that I write. So, um, you know, that is my, that's my desire is to use this gift, um, is to exercise the gifts and talents that God has given me. And to be on this constant, um, this constant journey of exploration, you know, as I said before, we have we have potential to 
to be anything, the potential to do anything, to, the potential to use gifts and talents that we don't even realize that we have. And so a couple of years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, um, I have been doing life with a, a professor friend of mine, Dr. Vernon Whaley. And Dr. Vernon Whaley was the dean of the School of Music at Liberty. And he was working on a project, um, a degree called African-American Worship Studies. That degree went online at Trevecca University in Nashville. And when I saw that that degree went online, I've always wanted to go back to school and get my master's degree. And I jumped into that course right during the pandemic when I was home in a season where I wasn't traveling and uh, went back to school and got my master's. And I will graduate in May. I'll walk across the stage with my master's degree mm. and I'm um, praying about going you know, on and get my doctorate degree. So, wow. you know, here's the bottom line is God has never finished with us. Yes. Um, his plan, um, he says, I'll give you a plan. It is a plan for a hope and a future. And as long as we have breath, and as long as we have life, and as long as we can still put our feet on the floor, and when you can't, you still have the Internet, which gives you access to the whole world. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, you know, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. That, Babby, that is uh, just awesome because, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't ever retire from serving the Lord. Um, and and we, we may move from one thing to another, but you don't, you don't retire from ministry. And, and God has us in ministry as believers, as soldiers of the cross, until uh, he takes us home. And so that is awesome. Well, you know, the, the, Holy Spirit is, the Holy Spirit is our greatest source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And he inspires every idea, every song, every book every entrepreneurial endeavor, um, you know, some, sometimes I, you know, I, I, I miss it. Sometimes I have to redefine it or get help or go to a class. Um, but all that does is like putting a log on, on a log on the fire. And what that does is make me better. It sharpens my skill. And I just want to be a person who is a lifelong learner. And that zest and that deal for education or knowing more, you know, has opened up the doors for me to teach at the college level. Um, never in a million years would I ever thought that I would be teaching at the university level um, and exploring my, you know, getting my doctorate degree. But it is one of, I've always been a teacher, mm-hmm. and the possibility of going, getting my doctorate um, is just an amazing thing. And I teach at the college level. I teach at Lee University, where I teach songwriting and entrepreneurship in music business and just having the time of my life. Amen. That is great. Well, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you this because I, I don't know a lot about music. I like music, but uh, my wife is the musical one. And uh, w- when you have, just like in a church, you know, choir and music people, uh, they can be. Um, I want this solo. Why didn't I get this solo? You know how you can deal with that. Uh, I remember when we were at the Brooklyn Tab. You know, uh, Jim and Carol were really they were really strong on, hey, if you want to sing a solo, you're not going to. It's when you're willing to give that up that we'll ask you to do that. How do, how do you encourage people in that, that are struggling with that, the insecurity or I want to be up front or my voice is better than his voice? How, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I've experienced that as a school teacher, um, also as a worship leader, as a choir director, and that's, a, that's hard. That's a really hard thing. But what I try to do is um, give that person their fair shot, 
you know, if there's an audition involved, because um, I critique a, a lot of music as a teacher and as a person who is in radio and I listen to a lot of music, some days I have to say, no, you might need to work on this or no, maybe this is not your style of song. But what I try to do in the effort to, you know, to give them the answer that they need, if it is a no, I try to help them, give them something that will help them to go to the next level. Um, if the singer needs a little work, I'll suggest, you know, maybe you might need some voice lessons. Let, let me help you or let me find a person who can help you and give them, you know, some tools. If their book isn't up to par, then I'll say, you know, your book needs a little tweaking, but here's somebody who can help. And some, most of the time that does work. Sometimes there's a person who is a bit insecure, and you're going to meet those kind of people who are, you know, uncomfortable or their, their skill set is developed. And I try my best to be an encourager, to give them resources, to check in on them, to kind of give them a little personal touch that lets them know, you know, look, you, you have potential, but you might need to do a little bit more work. And for the most part, that has, you know, with a little bit of encouragement, that seems to help people move along to the next level. Amen. Well, you had mentioned, Babby, that uh, lots of things would fall into your lap, and it wasn't like you were having to push your way, you know, to the front. I, I have found that if you'll just trust the Lord and you'll be faithful with what He's given you, He gives you more. Uh, have you found that yes. to be true? I have found that to be true. You know, the Bible says that your gifts will make room for you. And my... Uh, my my gifts, excuse me, my gifts have certainly made room for me. God has really been faithful in allowing doors to open, allowing opportunities to come my way, opportunities that I never thought um, would would be mine. For example, teaching at the college level, um, you know, someone would be in my concert, a college professor, and um, you know, they said, you know, listen, we need a we need a songwriting teacher on our staff, which you can put to be an adjunct. And uh, here's the thing, though, Pastor Jeff, I think even if you don't have all the answers, even if you're not quite, you know, um, you might need to do a little working on your skill set, for me the answer is yes. You know, if I, if I realize this is something that the Lord wants me to do, but I might need to, you know, go home, work on lesson plans, work on, um, you know, my teaching technique in this particular area, the answer is yes. If I feel like this is the Lord's will and this is the door that he's opening up for me, then I'll say yes, and then I'll go home and get my act together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, this is what seems to be a, it just seems to be a reoccurring theme in my life. Um, like when I wrote the book with Abingdon Press and wrote a Bible study. I've never written a Bible study before in my life, but I've been, I've been surrounded by wonderful communicators, people like you, people like the women at Women of Faith when I was on stage with Women of Faith, with Patsy Claremont and Jan Sylvia and Sheila Walsh and Thelma mm -hmm. Wells and, and Lucy Swindoll, these amazing communicators. And you know what I did? I mm -hmm. sat in my seat every, every weekend, and I took notes. Mm -hmm. I took notes on, uh, you know, what makes their delivery successful? Mm -hmm. How do they impact their audience? How do they use the stage as their platform? And um, so I'm a... You know, I'm just a good observer and a forever student, and mm -hmm. I always want to do my best. So for me, if it's the Lord's will and I see him opening up that door, the answer is yes, and I just go home and 
work hard on my skill set. Amen. Um, you know, I, I read a book. I wrote a book called Fully Qualified, and it's, the, it's on the life of David when he was called into the service of Saul. And anyone who is a creative person, if you really want to um, find the qualities for service, for ministry, read First um, Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. And there are six qualities that David exhibited in his life, and they are um, he was a skillful musician, he was a brave man, he was a warrior, he spoke well, he was good-looking, and the Lord was with him. And so those are the qualities that I just, you know, try to align my, my life, my music, my skill set. If I can align my, my, my act, my, my, get my act together according, according to those specifications, then success is inevitable. Amen. Well, Babby, you are a delight, my sister, and uh, it's such a blessing to know you and to know your husband, Charles, and we're going to need to get you back out to uh, First Baptist Texarkana before too long. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen you, and uh, but, t- but listen, I've been taking notes on you, Pastor Jeff, and that's the reason why your program is on Babby Mason Radio, and uh, I have been taking notes on you for a long time, and I'll <laughs> tell you, one of the things that I love about your ministry is that you are um, determined to continue to preach the gospel, my friend. And I watch you on television, listen to you on the radio, and now you are a part of this ministry, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what God is going to do. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. And I'll be at the uh, NRB in May in Orlando. Are you going to be there? I'm going to do my level best to be there, and when I get there, I will certainly be looking for you, Pastor Jeff. (laughs) That sounds great. Well, thank you, Babby. God bless you. Tell Charles I said hello. All right, please, and give my regards to your family. All right. Well, all you've right, been li- All right, thank you. You've been listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. We've been talking to uh, singer-songwriter uh, Babby Mason, and so this is, if you know somebody that wants to write songs, that wants to sing, this would be a great program to share with them because this will uh, help them, encourage them, to, it's, it's all about the Lord. Keep the Lord first, and He will bless. So go out today, shine and share, and God will use you. I'll be with you again tomorrow. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.